Hello listeners, this is Yakez's Life Advice. We are Yakez, the most adorable married musical duo in the world. I'm Twitter. And I'm Poppy John. We've been through so much this past year, medically, personally, spiritually. And we're coming out on the other side with new perspective and drastic life changes. We're here to share this with you. And we'd like for you to join us on this journey of transformation. Hello, listeners. Thank you for being here again with us for another episode of Yakez's Life Advice. It's very exciting. We're very excited. Our theme of the day is healing through art and activism. We have an incredible guest today, performer, choreographer, and cultural entrepreneur, Awilda Rodriguez-Laura. All the way here from Puerto Rico. just like to say that this interview with the wonderful Awilda was uh, pre-recorded. It was about a month ago. Uh, right now, I am still under my bit of quarantine for my recent stem cell transplant. Which went really well. It did. It, it went really well. My recovery is going really well. Thank you so much, everyone, for your prayers thank you thank you and your well wishes uh, all of the outpouring of love and support has truly been amazing it is the silver lining for you know going public about a disease a lot of people say you know people will always associate you with this illness be careful and uh, i decided to to go public and be not in complete real time about it. I'm not one of those crazies that's, you know, recording myself the entire time going through everything I'm going through uh, because I'm really, 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 really committed to healing and staying in a very present and stress-free place. So sometimes I do take my, you know, a lot of private time and space and quiet time, but the ways that we have engaged with people through our GoFundMe, of which it's just been absolutely incredible, the outpouring of support and donations and just the love. Uh, right? It feels miraculous. No, I really can't thank people enough. So just saying that, and, and I will have, there will be a, an episode devoted uh, completely uh, to the topic of multiple myeloma and some of the crazy wild ride of uh, uh, cancer treatment. Uh, we'll talk about that specifically. Yeah, uh, probably once completely through it all. Yes. So, we're ready for some housekeeping then? I'm ready. Okay. Our theme song of the day is an old classic of Yaquez's called Mirame Mami. Oye, mami, mírame, tú tienes la vaina. I just want to wear my booty shorts. I just want to wear my booty shorts. I just want to wear my booty shorts. What I hear is shit like this. Oye, mami, mírame, tú tienes la vaina. I just want to wear my booty shorts. 
I just want to walk around on the street. I just want to get from here to there without hearing. I know I have a booty. It's for sitting and for poopy. Yes, I know it's a beauty. But admire it. Don't abuse me. Leave me alone. Let me wear my little shorts. I want to walk. It's hot. My legs are sticking together. And I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear this. Mama Sosa. I don't want to hear that. Oye, mama. I don't want to hear that. That. Crudeness really don't amuse me. Smile, not then say excuse me. This is uh, one of our feminist anthems. Fuck you, I ain't no flutie. Yeah. It calls it's out the... Uh, culture of uh, street harassment and street objectification uh, it's kind of our warm weather song it's a little chilly right now so it's not really the most weather appropriate song but uh, I really respect our guests personal brand of feminism and so I thought it was very appropriate today and it's warm somewhere and there's probably people wearing shorts there some of whom are being objectified Okay, great, Papi John. What? You gotta include all all people in the world. Actually, you know what? It's true. It's true. I'm not in my own. I'm sorry. I I live in New York, but I'm not just in my own little New York bubble. Yeah, right. I'm in my bubble. I'm in my bubble. Okay, come out of the bubble now. Okay, coming out of the bubble to talk healing, activism. Let's, this is exciting stuff. Let me tell you here. Awilda Rodriguez Lora was born in Mexico, raised in Puerto Rico, and working in between North and South America and the Caribbean. Awilda's performances traverse multiple geographic histories and realities. Indeed. Indeed. In this way, her work promotes progressive dialogues regarding hemispheric colonial legacies and the unstable categories of race, gender, class, and sexuality. I'm impressed you just came up with that off the top of your head. (laughs) What an intro. (laughs) I'm holding all of this incredible information. Wow. Yes, yes. Awilda, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you both for inviting me. I'm very excited to be here. And it is warm in Puerto Rico, and there's people with booty shorts. See? 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 And is there a lot of cat calling, or is it just like it's so hot, everyone's in shorts? Doesn't matter. I wish no. It is a lot of cat calling. Okay. It doesn't matter if you wear or not booty shorts. You get the cat. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> See, and that's where you know songs like this, where you get to just express a little bit of your frustration and put on your armor and say, "Hey, I don't want that." Hopefully, uh, it can. It's an opportunity for healing. Healing comes in so many different forms, as we will be talking about today with a wheel. Da- yes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, one of the first things I want to talk about is I'm very impressed when I see people's daily activism, hmm. how it is embodied in their daily movements in the world. Now, you do something very exciting that I have been observing on the internet, your Instagram stories. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, they seem to highlight various, it's almost like a platform for artists that you uh, respect or are interested in. 
Am I? I'm right. Yeah. yeah and yeah. generally, it's like artists of color, and also for, or, or various diversities, whether it's artists who identify as queer artists or. But talk talk about this. Talk about this phenomenon and what what had you start doing this? Well. Um... Puerto Rico, and you know, I left Puerto Rico in '98, and I came back nine years ago. And one of the reasons I left was because I didn't feel there was a place for me to belong there. As a woman, I felt like there was expectations that I didn't want, really wanted to follow. So I left um, to Florida. My mother had moved, and I moved to New York. And then New York, of course, blew my mind. And there's like all kinds of ways of being in the city. But when I came back, I wasn't planning on staying in Puerto Rico. And as I got more immersed into the performance community and the dance community, I see that there's all these like beautiful ways of expressing ourselves. And and what is amazing is that it's done with a precarious kind of strategy because there is not a lot of funding to mm -hmm. do work in Puerto Rico. So I started when I started doing these stories was highlighting people in Puerto Rico that are doing the work no matter what. You know, it's and that for me was and then it's like, wait, I have a lot of other people that I know and, and there's performers in Dominican Republic and New York and Chicago, like all around the places that I've lived. And these are people that I actually do know and respect also as people and their politics go beyond their arts. So I that's why I wanted to highlight them. Mm, I consider this daily activism you're yeah. creating a platform for people or not even well not necessarily creating a platform but using using a platform that you have to raise up and bring visibility to artists that you care about exactly hmm. yeah yeah i think it's also you know i wish i could write more but i'm scared of writing if i could i would be just writing these like blogs about each person that i know because i feel that we need more visibility of these performers and these artists that are mm. doing so much work and we only rely sometimes on these mainstream ways of really presenting them. So, you know, and I've been in social media, I think since it started, just because of like my obsession with technology and everything kind of moving so fast. And I've gotten a lot of followers. So I was like, what do I post? And I wasn't really interested in posting about my life anymore. I was like, ah. Oh, that's not what I'm about, you know, and it's just like, how do I create visibility to other artists and other people too, you know, activists and other people are doing work, but I'm, you know, I'm really into people that use their body as their main instrument for doing the work. Um, you know, they do live art body work. So that's where I focused on. Mm. Mm. I love it. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and you create a nice, it's a dialogue with that artist. Yeah. each with those artists each day as they see mm -hmm. um so it's generous thank you i love it uh you also have another interesting social media phenomenon which i also think fits into the category of kind of this daily activism which is your um uh baila todos los dias is yes. that what is am i saying is that yes bailar todos los dias is the hashtag since 2015 i started dancing as uh i first it was as a dare because on the 31st um december 31st of 2014 i had some friends visiting and i was like tomorrow i'm gonna start dancing every day and i was <laughs> like okay i can do this also instagram just started allowing video mm. to be on it because it was only photos at the beginning so i was like oh wait there's video 
I want to dance every day. And at the time I was, um, it was in 2015, I was 38. So I was also thinking, well, I'm kind of not going to be dancing for a company anytime soon because I'm getting older and I'm living in Puerto Rico where there's not a lot of dance companies. So, and me dancing for a company meant dancing every day, right? You get paid to train, you get paid to go and dance in other places. So I was like, well, since nobody is going to hire me, then I'm just going to dance every day. And then the accountability comes from the, you know, the Instagram followers and the people that see it as a way of like, keep on doing the work. And after the first year, I was like, oh, you know, I can finish. I did it, right? It's like I did the 365 days. But then it was, you know, January 1st of 2016. I was like, oh, wow, I need to dance again. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's 2019. I'm still keep on dancing. It's also become a healing practice because I have to dance. I dance every day, even when I'm not feeling. You dance every day. Every day. There's never a day when you're like, I don't feel like dancing. I'm not dancing. There's the, there's days that I don't feel but like dancing, but yeah, wow. And and there's different types of dancings too okay. that I present. It's like, and you can notice even my energy and depending on how I dance. Like a dance after a protest, usually I'm like jumping around. I'm like energized by like mm. all the, you know, energy that comes from that place. But then there's days I'm really sad. Either I broke up with somebody or you know I had a really bad day. And sometimes I just dance laying on my bed and I just move like an arm or a finger and that becomes a dance. <laughs> so it's also a way of me of talking about what dance is, right? Because uh -huh. also the expectations of what dance should look like. And then I also invite people to dance with me. I, I like to dance a lot in public spaces. Yeah. Um, which also has a way of visibilizing bodies like me also in public spaces, like activating the space. And, um, and I had a professor once told me is, that was I never thought about it so much as a political action, you know? I just thought it was like me dancing in public spaces because why not? And because I'm a site-specific performer too. Hmm. But then my, my friend, she had shown the videos in a class and by then, I now I had again my mohawk, but I didn't have for a little bit. And it's like the fact the way that I choose to dress and be in the public space and then choosing to intervene it with a dance that is not so, easy to recognize what type of dance it is like some people will call it yoga some people experimental contemporary but it's weird in a way if you're mm -hmm. walking around suddenly see this person moving around without sound or music um so then it's like oh wow this is much bigger than what i thought it was my own personal practice it's like it's something for the visibility of like black bodies queer bodies like myself and you know non-binary in a sense of like trying to be something different yeah, I've noticed when um, some of your videos, like when you're in New York, you'll be in the subway stations dancing. Like, do you ask strangers to dance with you ever? Or do people um, just join in sometimes? Yeah. That happens? Yeah. I haven't really asked strangers strangers. If uh -huh. I see them looking at me and I can feel them kind of moving, I may uh -huh. have asked them. I don't remember now one in particular. But a lot of times it's like friends or like one time I danced, I did an artist talk in in Ohio State and asked the audience to dance with me. And I just put the camera and people just got up from their seats and started dancing and I got up of the chairs. And mm. So I do all that, those kind of like interventions where just kind of people don't know they're entering into a dance piece. <laughs> I mean, I think intervention is the best word for it. In that case, it was it is a dance intervention that you guide the audience to do with you. But to me on this, also this social media platform where we, you know, we're those who, who are take in this media, 
see the, all the different permutations that people can capture of their lives. But this choice that you have to do daily uh, to take a dance break, so to speak, mm -hmm. no matter where you are publicly. And you're right. The types of dances are sometimes they're very soft and <laughs> unobtrusive. You know, you are you're literally having this quiet can be quiet dialogue with your body. And I think that that is maybe for a lot of contemporary dancers doesn't seem like a radical thing to do, but actually it's pretty darn freaking radical when you think about, um, I don't know, just social mores and how we're, we're supposed to have these agreements to just, you know, stand on the platform and just wait for the train and then board the train, you know, that, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe have conversations with each other, but, um, well, yeah. I think it also, um, depends on the type of dialogue you're having with your body in a public space. <laughs> what do you mean? Sometimes that can be frowned upon. What do you mean? You know what I mean. No, I don't. No, it, it's generally, it's fr <laughs> I think a lot of times anything, having any kind of dialogue with your body is kind of frowned upon. Mm. Um, I think that this is a is a political act. I think it's a political act in terms of its its interaction with mm -hmm. the rest of the world, but I also think in relation to dance, yeah. too. Um, it has a very uh, interesting... Um, in terms of dance history, in terms of what is expected of the dancer, where you should be doing things, and yes, what you should be wearing and what your body should be like, I think it's making a lot of beautiful statements. Um, I'm thinking of, I follow these. I w maybe now, would you, have you seen these? Yeah. Yes. I was just talking about it. Okay. I forgot. Remember? Yeah. I've been, that happened like a couple I, minutes ago. I lost focus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love the ones of, I love this, that you have these sort of evening ones where you can tell it's like late in the day and, um, or sometimes you have lovely, like the undergar, you know, there's mm -hmm. like. You had a couple of nice robes lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, sometimes they're intimate. I, yeah, they're intimate yeah, yeah. to say some yeah. of that. Sometimes I, I will forget, you know, because it's just become such a... Or I will forget I actually dance and I will dance again. It's like, oh, wait, I have another video of me dancing. <laughs> it just happened for the first time recently. I was like, I haven't danced, I haven't danced. And then when I went to post the, the new video, I was like, oh, I did dance like at 8 o'clock in the morning. And it just like the day got so crazy. But, and also when I'm sometimes in the middle of the night, it's like, oh, the day is almost over, I have to dance. I used to be really strict about doing it before midnight, mm -hmm. but now it's like, I feel like when the day ends, that's when the day is done. You know, like sometimes mm -hmm. you were up until one o'clock in the morning, being working or hanging out or yeah. whatever. So I'm being less stressful about it because then it will also create some anxiety. It's like, and I'm in the middle of like a dinner with my family. It's like, wait, people have to go and dance because it's going to be midnight. Now it's like, let me just be present too. Yeah, you can't, you can't allow society to define what the day is for you. Exactly. You're not going to turn into a pumpkin at midnight. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's also, it's beautiful because I've heard people have been inspired by it and they're dancing now, you know, in their own homes and not necessarily recording it and putting it on Instagram, but I feel dance is for everyone. And yeah, and I think what you're talking about dance, Larissa, is, is kind of like my own journey for dance. You know, it's like, what does a dancer look like? And it took me a long time to like, and the reason I got to New York because I had a, a 
dance teacher at Florida, Daytona Beach Community College, that he was like, you need to go to New York and dance because there's going to be people that look like you dancing. And it's true. You know, I got to Hunter College and I saw like the people that were in the placement class and it was like all kinds of bodies. And I was like, oh, we can all be dancers here. <laughs> this is awesome. Because, you know, I struggle a lot with like health issues, like in the sense of like my weight and trying to be this particular dancer body. Um, and that's why also I do this. It's like, no, I can still dance. I'm 42 and I'll be dancing forever. And I'm hoping that I can do it forever. Sometimes it gets hard because I don't want to be in social media every day. Mm. But sometimes I do take breaks. Like if I'm traveling and I don't have access to Wi-Fi, then I just record them all together like each day. And when I get to the hotel or wherever there's Wi-Fi, then I bring that up. Mm. I used to be obsessed again. I would be like, oh, where's the Wi-Fi tonight? So it's also <laughs> it's a, allowed me to find a way of doing my practice in a healthier way. Because mm. I notice also my own anxieties of being so perfect and trying to do things. Because I already set up to say, it has to happen. And mm. now it's like, oh, okay. and, it, and it's always the first take. I don't record it again if it doesn't look right. Like, and, it's, and it's gotten me also to look at myself in a non-judgmental way and be like, well, that's who I was, that's who I am. Mm. So there's something about um, accepting that moment for what it is. Mm. We are touching on it already, folks. <laughs> the healing, the activism, the feminism. I think I think these aspects of, of care and self-compassion and setting up non, non-judgment, th- this is how feminism presents itself uh, to me. Uh, and this is what I love about how you embody these beautiful things. Now you had you've you've been in Puerto Rico for the past six months mm-hmm. sh- straight just through the the amazing and intense political upheaval and protests that were happening. Mm-hmm. So I would love to hear um, you speak to that and and how also that played in into uh, were you dancing every day at protests as well or? not not every day i dance at the protests i i think i danced maybe from the to- 12 days that it lasted the the country going into the streets and asking for the resignation of the governor at the time ricardo rosselló i dance in a public space to be like in a place that i could be seen maybe two three times hmm. not because i felt that you know, the protagonists of that were the city, right? It was the people of the town. So I didn't want to take, you know, that space for that. So sometimes if it would be quiet and there's not a lot of people, then I would try to dance. Or or if, if I was really angry <laughs> and frustrated and really wanted to, like, shout at one of the cops, I was just like, let me just dance it out and, mm. and make it work. Um, but it was a beautiful experience. It was something that I've never lived before. And I think a lot of Puerto Ricans from different generations never went through it. Um, people kept going to the streets and it got bigger and bigger and bigger and we took over, you know, all of San, all San Juan and like the main highway in mm. front of like the mall there was like almost half a million people. Wow. And um, yeah, it was really powerful and the solidarity mm. that came from that. Um, it, I was, I, you know, I'm part of this, um, I support this group of this space called El Angar, which is in Santurce and they did a call to have like pretty much like the queer community to come walking into the highway from their space. So it was 
us and then another organization se acabaron las promesas and we were all together which you can see like an, if we were to have a picture right now it's like all these queers and weirdos and like beautiful and we're going at it and we get to the expressway and there was um, a truck with uh, big speakers we call them tumbacocos and he's playing all kinds of music and reggaeton and we're dancing reggaeton in the middle of the highway like all these queers women and men men and trans women and all kinds of bodies in the middle of the highway dancing reggaeton which was amazing then like rain starts coming down and then Donna Summer comes up and like one of the protesters start doing drag like the whole lip singing of the song and, and it was like last dance last dance. and it was like amazing and then start <laughs> raining like this could not even been written for a movie like it was that powerful like mm. we were just really occupying space like all of us and then there was like a perreo combativo like a combative what do you say combativo um combative no i think i'm making Debate? up no no combativo is like um oh in english Um, when you're battling, it's like battle perreo. Like it was, uh, yeah, like a, as a form of resistance. Mm. But the the way we call it in Spanish is perreo combativo. So mm. it was a night of just perreo, which is reggaeton dancing, you know, just pelvic movement, boom, 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 which it's like used to be even outlaw, like the music was outlaw for, for when the, gener the genre came out because it was mostly made by black, poor communities. So it became this whole, you know, standards of of judgment and morality of what Wait, they it was songs, actually outlawed well they they try to get rid of reggaeton music at that point wow i didn't know that yeah it was like in the 80s or 90s That's i believe insane. so like maybe more in the 90s because i was still uh-huh yeah i was listening to it in the underground clubs and dancing to it wow. but to have that in the public space and hundreds of people perriando mm. and moving their pelvic and being all dressed in whatever shape or form at the same time as we're protesting and we're trying to get this governor to resign mm. and then there was also people that came in horses and we had like people coming in motorcycles and then like <laughs> kayaks and jet skis and like bicycles so it just like became such a creative improvisational kind of experience that I was just like, there's really no rule on how do you make this ever happen again. Mm. Like this was just like, we were so upset and so heartbroken by what the governor and his cabinet, like his group were talking about in this chat, is, which is the reason why we went to the street because the chat was, um, WhatsApp chat was released. And it was like their insensibility, like they were so insensible about the death that came after the the passing of Hurricane Irma Maria. They were like also using derogatory words and expressions towards women, even violence against women of like, so it's like all this. Was it the Ricky Martin? Oh, sorry. Yes. Homophobic <laughs> about comments. About Ricky Martin. Yeah, yeah, he talked about Ricky Martin and all other like, Um, women that are actually women in the politics are their allies and colleagues but mm. of course like all of this kind of came out and it's two years after the hurricane and mm. you know it's just like the insensibility was just too much like we already know there's corruption we already know it's awful but to see them express in their everyday life too like their quotidian language so this is not the same as when they have the mic in front of the white house like this is actually them talking to it's like like a chat of bros. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those, like, it's this, like, language that I know it's, like, in that 
bubble, but now when it comes out, you don't want your governor to be expressing like that. Or our president just does it on Twitter. Exactly. So. <laughs> Every day. I know. It's but it worked. Like your the protests of yeah, Puerto Rico yeah. actually. He resigned. Which that's amazing. It to was see, yeah. to see that you could actually make a difference by by having a peaceful protest. Yeah. Well, to think, like, as you're describing, it's so exciting to hear you describe this improvisation, as you mm-hmm. say, of people just coming together, people outraged and just being almost drawn toward each other for this cause. So was it in a lot of ways, because I, in my understanding was that a lot of the, the content, uh, the, 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 the turbo language and the judgment was a lot uh, toward uh, LGBT sort of cue people, mm-hmm. right? That was a lot of where the offenses yeah. were taken. But also people that were that are bigger, like um, different types of shapes of bodies too. Like mm. there was a lot of derogatory language used to anybody that was different. Mm. And that's the part that we're like so done with it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you add to that that he makes a joke about the death and that just like, so when you're in this protest, that was also like we were all mourning still so yeah. you can feel that energy too of like we all have lost somebody because of the negligence of this country mm. and the united states because it's both of them in combination because it's this whole complexity of being a colony of the u.s um but to feel that mourning too like i don't know you just had a bigger family it just felt like a much bigger mm. like we're all kind of all lost our loved ones and our family members and suddenly we we have to be a family to take this <laughs> guy down and that was really powerful i don't know when we're gonna do it again but you know i really find a lot of more hope and i think it's totally possible to do it again when the right time and the right moment not to say that things are perfect after he left because we still have um, the same problems. It's just a different face and a different body, um, and it's still accessibilities and still like laws and reforms that are affecting our elders and our children. Um, but I know we're also really tired and trying to keep it up and to sustain this pro- hyper productivity, consumerist, capitalist way of living. So it's complicated. Well. That's it for now, but it's not the end. That's just the end of part one. The conversation uh, was so very interesting and sprawling that we decided to break it up into two parts. In part two, we will discuss statehood uh, for Puerto Rico, uh, more about protest, and more on the art and healing as they relate to one another. And a wilderness personal practice uh, around art and healing, yes. And if you want to learn more about Awilda uh, in the interim, you can go to org or check her out on Instagram, hashtag LaPerformera. Ha, uh, yes, or just at LaPerformera on Instagram. Uh, and you can okay. check out the uh, hashtag Bailar Todos Los Dias, her daily movement practice. And it's so fun to go back in time and really... Uh, uh, look at it as a as a lovely um, catalog on movement and place. It's fun to time travel. Yeah. La Performera allows you to time travel. Yeah, I like your pronunciation, sweetie. 
tu pronunciación. Sí. <laughs> All right, till next time. Okay, and we advise you to tune in again next time. I need to safe on the street and not treat it like a piece of meat. Ay, mami. No, no, no. Keep it moving. No. Get back. There it is. Take a hike. Take a hike. Take a hike. Take a hike. Take a hike.